0: Okay, turn with me if you would. Let me look at my notes, make sure. Oh, yeah, I wanted to tell you that uh, we have an after party as soon as we're finished here. It's right down the hall on the left. We've got some coffee, refreshments. And it's specifically set up for me to have an opportunity to connect with some of the newer folks in the church. Or if you want to talk with me about something and sometimes there's so many people around that you can't talk with me afterwards, that's where I'm going to be down there. So if you got a message for me, question for me, or you just want a cup of coffee with me, that's where we're going to be right at, immediately after the service. So wanted to make sure you knew that. And also, I just want to mention uh, that this is Veterans Day. A lot of us know that. There's a lot of... Places out there giving you a discount on your meal uh, if, you, if you want to eat out on Veterans Day. This is Veterans Day, and I think as a church, we ought to honor our veterans. So if you're one of those men or women that served in one of the branches of the military of the United States, would you stand? I want to honor our veterans today. Look at this. Thank you. Thank you for your service. We wouldn't have the freedoms we have in our country if it wasn't for people that were willing to defend that, stand up uh, for that. So we're very appreciative. Okay, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew seven. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's a it's a rather long message that Jesus gave. Three chapters: Matthew's Matthew five, six, and seven. So we're here in chapter 7. It's the tail end of his message, and we're seeing that the whole message is about practical Christianity. Not so much what we believe, but what we do with our belief. It's practical. And in chapter 7, I want to draw our attention to verse 12. We're going to start here. Matthew 7, verse 12. He says, So, So anytime a sentence begins with so, it's kind of, in conclusion, in summary, so, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now we know that as the golden rule. My mom used to teach that to me as the the golden rule. Everybody should follow that practice. But I didn't know till later it was actually in the Bible. This is something Jesus told us to do. Treat other people like you want to be treated. If you, want to be, if you want to be insulted, then insult somebody else. If you want to be respected, then you respect someone else. But I want us to note that he is concluding something here. So, therefore... Treat other people like you want to be treated. That whole thought began up in verse 7, where he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We consider that a whole nother topic, don't we? That's prayer. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. That's all about Prayer. But it's in the same context as treat other people like you want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is practical Christianity. Prayer and practice go hand in hand. If you pray it, but you don't practice it, you're going to get nothing. If you practice, but you don't have some prayer with it, you don't receive any, anything from God through that. So it's practical Christianity. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about practical Christianity, putting it to work, putting our faith to work in how we deal with difficult people. How, how many have a difficult person you have to deal with in your life? Okay, the rest of us are sitting next to that person and they don't dare raise their hand. So I want to look at five examples in the Bible of how Jesus dealt with difficult people, people that were just not so easy to get along with. And my prayer is that one of these five, as I go through these, one of these five is going to speak to every person here about the difficult person or people in your life. And how you can deal with it. Because Jesus practiced all five of these strategies and all five worked in his situation. Okay? Here, here's, here's the first one. And I'm gonna read the scripture first and then give you the point. Uh, we're gonna read Luke chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who do you think I am, Judge Judy? <laughs> no, I paraphrase that. He said, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Who, who, who do you think I am? What, what, what makes you think I have some kind of say between you and your brother that have a dispute? Who am I that you would ask such a question? And here's the first strategy, ask questions. We're pretty quick to just give answers. We're pretty quick to tell other people where we stand. One of the best ways to get along with difficult people is to ask them questions because their mind is in another place than where yours is. And the only way to get through to somebody like that is to ask them questions because questions Empower the other person. You are asking them to express what they're thinking, what their thoughts are, where they're coming from. And it says to the other person, I care about what your opinions are. I care about what you think. So ask a question and then You're giving them the power to speak, which then earns you the right to speak in response back to them. If you be patient and let them talk, they should be patient and let you talk. Do you remember the very first words that came out of Jesus' mouth when he was here on the earth? Remember that? We read it in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Right off the bat, he's asking questions. First recorded words we have. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? Like they should have known. Well, son, you're always with us, and you weren't with us, and we're trying to figure out where you were. We're miles away, heading back home, and you're back here. So Jesus asked them questions. We We don't have the answer recorded in the story, but he asked questions. All through his ministry, he kept asking questions. And one time he was he was uh, traveling between villages and he came into this one town and he had this big crowd of people with him and they noticed a couple blind men off to the side began crying out to him. And we read this in uh, Matthew 20, verses 31 through 33. The crowd rebuked them, the, the blind guys, and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. So Jesus asked asked these blind men the question, what do you want me to do for you? Obviously the blind men were sitting on the side of the road with their hand out because they couldn't work. They're they're disabled. They can't function, so they're begging. This is how back in the day they paid for their food. This is how they survived, depending on the generosity of other people. So these blind men are calling out because a whole crowd of people is coming by. And Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? It seems like a simple question, but really what he's doing is he's probing deep. What, do, do you want me to put a silver coin in your hand? Is that what you want? What do you want me to do for you? He's asking them to speak out and declare their faith. This is why prayer is so important for us. We are speaking out and declaring our faith. Lord, would you do this for me? Would you do that for me? We're speaking it out. We're telling God where our faith is. Jesus asked questions. One of the most powerful moments in the gospel record is when Jesus was with his disciples and he asked them the question, who are people saying that I am? Oh, some say you're Elijah. Uh, Others are saying you're one of the great prophets. And he was listening to what people were saying. What people were saying didn't change who he was, but he wanted to know what is the result of these miracles, the preaching, what's going on in people's hearts. He wanted to know because he came to redeem the souls of men. So after they gave him the people's opinion, he asked them, but who do you say I am? Great question. It's a risky question because how they respond is going to let Jesus know if he's been very successful or not at what he's trying to do. So who do you say I am? Finally Peter spoke up and he said, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Somebody finally said it. Somebody finally spoke it out. It's pretty risky to speak it out, but he did. He spoke it. And then Jesus began to comment on that. And he said, it wasn't flesh and blood that taught you this. This is spiritually revealed. And then he talked about the power that was going to be released based on this word, based on their declaration of faith, that they're going to be able to, to, to what, what they loose down here on earth is going to be loosed by the power of heaven. What they bind down here on earth is going to be bind by the power of heaven. All because they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church of Jesus Christ is built on that confession. Somebody say amen. 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 He asked a question. In, uh, In Mark chapter 5 verse 34 we read one of his last words. And at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a question. Why have you forsaken me? He was Jesus Christ before he, he was incarnate in flesh, was with the Father from the beginning of creation. He was involved in creation. Nothing was made that was not made through him, the Bible says. And he's always been with God. And God was with him when he was here on this earth, step by step. But here at the end, he felt and sensed a void. The father had separated himself from the son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he was absorbing the sins of the world, your sin, my sin he was paying the price for our sin and God cannot look upon sin so God turned his back on his son but his son was still faithful and obedient even though the father had turned his back can you be faithful even when it looks like God's forsaken you? Because there's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming if you can be faithful through to the end. So asking questions is a strategy we learn from Jesus on dealing with difficult people. Find out where they're coming from. Here's the second strategy. Never get cornered. When we're cornered we have no place to go. We have no defense. There's nothing we can do when we're cornered. In Luke chapter 6 verses 1-4 through we read an example where someone tried to corner Jesus. One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and His disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read that Dave, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. So... When, uh, when the Pharisees who wanted to trap Jesus, when they saw his disciples and Jesus doing what they thought was illegal, what they perceived was wrong according to the Mosaic law, they thought they could trap him. They thought they could corner him. But Jesus refused to be cornered. If they're going to use the law of God against him, He's going to use the word of God against them to defend himself. So he told this story about David. He couldn't be cornered. Now, the way to not be cornered is to know the Bible. You have to know the stories. You have to know what the word says. If you know what the word says and you know what you believe, nobody can talk you out of it. The problem with a lot of Christians is we're not convinced with what we believe. And so somebody can corner us and then we try to back out of it. Well, I really didn't mean that. Well, what do we believe? You and know, I as Christians, we need to sort out what we believe and why, and nobody can take that away from us. Amen. Nobody can back us up in a corner. I've got a uh, a pat answer in the back of my mind. Somebody corners me, somebody asks me a question I don't have an answer to, I've got a ready answer. It is, I don't know. <laughs> Do I have to know everything? I don't understand these things. I don't understand a whole lot of things about walking with God. I just don't know. And sometimes I'll say, I've got to think about that, and I've got to research that a little bit, I'll come back, I'll get back with you with an answer on that. Don't let people corner you. Know what you believe and why. And when other people, they have a a law in their mind and they try to project that law onto you, don't buy into that. Discover where you stand with God alone and don't let other people and their preconceived ideas influence you. Don't get cornered. My identity as a Christian resides in Jesus Christ. I am in him. It's not what other people think I ought to do. Okay, so never get cornered. Let's go to number three in dealing with difficult people. Know when to ignore them. Uh, Here's an interesting story. Luke chapter 4 verses 28 through 30. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Here's a big fight. Here's a big row. Here's a whole lot of people trying to corner him get him backed up, he just walked away. Oh, i got to hang on to that strategy. There's times to use that strategy. If somebody if you're at odds with somebody and you can say something to persuade them, by all means say it. But after you've said it and said it again and you discover they're, they're not going to listen to you, walk away. Jesus knew how to keep his blood pressure under control. (laughs) He just walked away from the fight. He refused to get embroiled in a conflict that he could not win. So sometimes in dealing with difficult people, you realize they are so set in their ways, they are not going to listen. Don't burn yourself out over it. Just walk away. It's okay to do that. Proverb chapter 12 verse 16 says it like this. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook and insult. Just walk away. It's not worth the aggravation of getting into a dispute over it. some people find great courage behind a computer screen. They say things on Facebook they don't have the guts to say to somebody face to face. But it's, it, it's kind of interesting I, that I can hide behind this thing and I can say things that I never else would say. Great courage How do we deal with that? How do we deal with it? Sometimes I'll I'll see things one of my friends posted on Facebook. All my friends aren't Christians. Sometimes I'll put some really dumb things on there. And I'll mention it to my wife and she'll say, don't you comment on that. Do not reply to that. (laughs) And I'll say, yeah, but I I got a good thing to say. She'll say, don't you touch that. Because everybody's going to see what you said, and somebody is going to misinterpret that. Somebody's going to misunderstand it. I had a, one of my Facebook friends who's uh, supposedly a Christian but doesn't come to our church, so don't try to figure out who it is. A couple years ago, during the presidential election, and all those uh, political ads you know, were going out And everybody was trying to beat the other person. And I saw one of those ads came up from my friend who's always putting this political stuff up there. And it was a news article. And I read that and I thought, that can't be true. So right away, I went to CNN because they got a lot of money they put in. And I figured CNN is going to be one of the first ones to report on this. And there wasn't nothing on there. So I went back to my friend and I replied and I said, is this fake news? And he got right back with me because I knew it was. And he got right back with me immediately like he had nothing to do but sit around and play these games. He got right back with me and he said, oh no, this absolutely could have happened. (laughs) That made me mad. You don't put stuff out there as fact as if it could have happened. But I realized, you know, I can't win this argument. Walk away. So I went on to see what my next friend had to say, and I just ignored it. Sometimes you and I have to ignore some of the stuff people put on there because you can't win. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you can win, go for it. Once you realize you can't, walk away because your blood pressure is worth more than that. No one to ignore. Here, here's the, the fourth one. Don't get defensive. We sometimes get defensive and, and we want to we make things right and we want to apologize and we, we uh, want things to be better. In Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 37, we read this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. In your glory. In the kingdom of God, when it gets reestablished, put one of us at your right hand and one one of us at your left hand. Talk about stepping over boundaries into someone else's territory. They just did this. They just stepped over boundaries. And in your world, you will have people that will not respect your boundaries. You will have people that will try to walk over into your territory and tell you how to do things. Now that maybe hasn't happened yet, but sooner or later it's gonna. People won't respect your boundaries. How do you deal with it? There are, there are, there are people who are codependent. That means their happiness is dependent on someone else's happiness. Would you be able to help out? We got this great ministry we're starting up at the church. Would you you help us out with that? Oh, yeah, love to do that. That's just my thing. I'll be glad to do that. And then when it's time for them to show up, they're not there. They said yes because they wanted to make you happy. But the end result of a codependent is they make you unhappy. The opposite of what they're trying to do happens to them. So how do you deal with people who make promises, don't keep them, don't get defensive? Sometimes it's good just to keep your mouth shut because the Bible says the Lord fights your battles. There have been times when... I wanted so much to clarify the issue. I wanted so much to say, well, that's not really what happened. Here's really what happened. I wanted to make things right. I wanted to clarify things as a pastor. But I realized God has put all of us here and God wants to see where our faith is. So rather than justify myself and go back and say, well, you misunderstood or somebody told you an untruth, I just keep my mouth shut. Not defensive because this is His kingdom. Amen? The church is His kingdom. And I'm not going to let somebody's dysfunction contaminate my view of His kingdom, what God is doing. Sometimes we fear aggressive people. Aggressive people are go-getters. And we need aggressive people on our team to go get it, to get it done. And there have been times God had brought aggressive people into our church. And I thought to myself, you know, they're just a little bit better than this than I, than I am. If I, if, I let, if I let them uh, become somebody important in the church, it might not make me look very good. So the defensiveness uh, in me makes me want to make sure they find another church. Go off somewhere else and do your thing. And I can be the big shot here. And I won't won't feel threatened. But I realize this is the kingdom of God. And for me to accomplish what we're trying to do at New Hope Christian Center, I need aggressive people. So I'm going to put up with them. I'm going to try to keep them in the corral, but I'm going to put up with them. I'm going to work with them because that's how you get things done. You don't get things done by gathering people around you that are lesser than you. You get things done by gathering people around you who are greater than you. Then you increase. Amen. So Jesus was not insecure in. God's will for him. He knew what God's will for him was and he wasn't intimidated by James or John or anybody else. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew what God had called him to do and he was going to follow through with it. And he never got defensive with what God, where God placed him. You should never be defensive with where God has placed you right now. You may be at a place where you're not making as much money as somebody else. You're not as influential in the workplace as somebody else or in the school as somebody else. Don't get defensive. Know who you are in Christ. Amen. One more. Um, I'm, I'm good with my time. Stay flexible. When you're dealing with difficult people, stay flexible because you'd never know what God's trying to do. In uh, Matthew chapter 15 verse 22 uh, we read about a Canaanite woman from that vicinity who came to him crying out, Lord, son of David have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Notice this is a Canaanite woman from that vicinity. Jesus was on a short-term missions trip. He was out of Israel and a Canaanite woman came to him and she's asking for help for her daughter who's demon-possessed and suffering terribly. We jump down to verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him, knelt before Jesus. Lord, help me, she said. Jesus replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it The dogs. Notice Jesus' attitude. He knows, he knows what he's been called to do. He's been called to take the message to the children of Israel, the Jews. That's who God's called him to. And he stays focused and he ignores this woman. He won't have anything to do with her. She's on her knees begging him. And he says, It's not right to take what God, the bread God intended for the children, and to give it to the dogs. Now, no matter how you read that, that's an insult. No is his answer. He's firm on what God's called him to do. But we pick up our story in verse 27, and she says, Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You notice Jesus changed his mind. Jesus changed his position. She was able to persuade him to look at it through different eyes. Jesus was flexible. He wasn't just this this representation of the law of God. He was a representation of the Spirit of God. God. And God was after this this lady's soul, this lady's heart, this Canaanite who had no part of the promise. So Jesus was in a flexible position where he allowed himself to think it over again. If you want to be a spiritual person dealing with difficult people, stay flexible because you never know what God's going to do. I think you've heard me tell the story about when I was a brand-new convert. Um, I, was, uh, I was working in a factory, and my my job at that point was assembling hydraulic pumps, and I was at one workstation, and there was another fellow at the next workstation right beside me doing the same thing I was. I was working on one order. He was working on another. And I was new in the faith. I wasn't more than a a couple days old in my faith, and I was chatting with the guy on the other side of the tester bench. His name was Steve Hauser, and he was the guy influential in uh, bringing me to that decision. And we were, we were talking about our faith, and the guy at the workbench in front, he was angry. I mean, I don't know what he was so ticked off about, but he was angry at something because he had been one of my drinking buddies just before. And my life had dramatically changed, and I, I suppose he was a little bit on a guilt trip there from that because my life was better and his was still where it was. And I remember as Steve and I were talking, he was just furious, so angry he took his tool and threw it down on the workbench and walked off to the drinking fountain. And Steve and I looked at each other and Steve said, Let's pray. So he began praying, I began praying I remember my prayer was I bind this spirit in the name of Jesus The spirit that's binding him I bind that in the name of Jesus And he came walking right back from the drinking fountain And came up and he said to us Okay, tell me what this is all about His whole demeanor changed just that quickly And and when I was ready to be defensive When he came back All of a sudden I didn't have to be defensive anymore He's now open and asking the question. Be prepared for God to do that kind of thing in your life. If you're not flexible, if you become rigid, God can't do anything. Allow God to change and do something you never thought he was going to do in a way you never thought he could do it. Because that's God. And he can still influence people's lives, can't he? Let's stand together. So I have to ask the question. Will one of these strategies work for you with that difficult person in your life? And if you are a person and you can say, I I get it. I understand. I see what I'm dealing with and I just happen to come here and. Pastor, you preach on this message, I hear loud and clear, uh, I understand this is me. If you're one of the people and you've got that kind of a difficult person in your life, would you come down to this altar because we want to pray for you. You're dealing with a difficult person. You don't have to tell us who it is. You don't have to deal with the difficulty is, but there's a difficulty and you need God's wisdom and strategy on how to deal with this. okay, I need some spiritual people up behind these folks, laying hands on them. We're going to believe God to do some good things. Would you stretch your hand out here with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these folks that have responded, that have come to this altar. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you're doing a good thing. And they have to deal with this difficult Person, this difficult situation. And I pray, Father, that one of the things that we talked about here, one of these strategies will be a strategy that they can use, that they can implement, that they can put to work. Father, we pray that your Spirit's going to bring new life, new energy, new excitement, uh, new insight into their lives as they deal with a difficult person. Father, let your peace be upon them. Let the power of the Holy Spirit renew their mind, give them creative things to say. Father, Give them your favor, your favor, God, as they deal with this difficult person and help this difficulty melt away right before them to surprise them at what grace you can do, you can have and manifest in a person's life. So, God, you show favor. You do a great work in helping us deal with difficult people. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's give God a hand. He is good all the time. We do have some prayer partners that will be here so that they can partner with you in prayer if you have an issue. I'm going to be down in the after party. I sure hope somebody comes and joins me. God bless. Go with God.